0: And let's now open the Word of God. Our scripture reading comes from two places. First of all, Psalm 118. Psalm 118. Uh, One of the things that's going to come out in the sermon is that this psalm is a messianic psalm, a psalm that looks forward to the coming of Christ. And we're going to see how the Jews themselves understood it as such. And so let's keep that on our minds as we read this psalm now. Psalm 118, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever." Let Israel say, His steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. But he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. So far from Psalm 118, we'll also turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter 2, we'll read verses 1 through 10. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So far, the reading of God's word. The text to which we want to give our special attention this morning are the verses 4 through 10 of 1 Peter chapter 2. It's not a long text. Let's read those again. They're quite dense, and you'll notice a great deal of Scripture quotations uh, that are made use of there. So it'd be helpful to read them again. 1 Peter 2, verse 4. As you come to Him... So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and the stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So far, the text. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, as we get closer to the, the heart or the center of First Peter. It seems that we also are getting closer and closer to uh, the center of his message. Uh, This text is uh, like the last one—one of these pivotal texts that really help us to see the whole message of this letter. Uh, There, there are many things that make this passage really dense and really rich. Uh, For one thing, in uh, in these six verses there are no less than six different Old Testament quotations, uh, direct quotations from the Old Testament. Peter quotes Psalm 34, Psalm 118, Isaiah chapter 8, Isaiah 28, Exodus 19, and Hosea chapter 2, uh, all in these six verses. Uh, So if, if nothing else, that should certainly tell us that this is a good time to slow down and to pay attention to what Peter is, is teaching us here. Uh, and, and these are not just random selections of the Old Testament either, uh, but these, these are particular verses that speak to God's purposes of salvation. Now, Those are the kinds of texts Peter is pulling out. Texts that talk about this is what God will do to bring about the salvation that his people are waiting for. Uh, those are the verses he's picking. They are some of the key verses, uh, many of which uh, the the Jews would have memorized from an early age, uh, uh, from from their childhood. Uh, some of these are key verses that were really instrumental in shaping how the Jews thought about their own identity, uh, particularly the one in Exodus 19, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, uh, was one that was instilled in young uh, Jewish children uh, from a very early age. This is who you are uh, by God's grace. And you notice Peter uh, applies this to these Christians. Uh, so uh, as Peter's writing to these these scattered persecuted Christians, most of them being Jews, uh, who were scattered by by the Jews themselves, by their own brothers. Uh, What he's really hammering home here is their identity as Christians and the reason they are what they are. Uh, He's saying, this is who you are, and this is why, and, and this is a good reason to stay what you are. And this is an important question uh, also for us. Uh, Who are we? This is a critical question if, if in God's providence uh, we should ever endure persecution. Uh, I heard recently a talk by Andre Schutten of ARPA uh, explaining that the indicators are likely that we will, uh, in, in the nearest future, endure persecution in this country. Well, if that's the case, and if we are to endure it well, that was the, the point of that talk, will we, will we endure it well? Uh, If we are to endure it well, uh, the most important thing we need to know is who are we by God's grace? Who are we? What is our identity? Uh, It's critical to endure persecution. It's critical to endure temptations as well. In the hour of temptation, there's nothing you need to know more than who am I by God's grace? Does this that I desire to do fit with who I am? with who God has made me. It's critical if you are ever reviled for your faith or your faith is ever treated with contempt. You go back to that question, who am I by God's grace? And here you'll have noticed Peter is reminding the readers You will endure contempt if you haven't already. You will be slandered for your faith. It will happen. Uh, Get used to it and get ready to remember who you are and why. Uh, And and so I I emphasize this strongly for us because even if right now we're not enduring uh, persecution, circumstances can change quickly uh, and... And one way or another, we certainly will endure a certain measure of disrespect or scorn or contempt from the world for our faith. How do we handle that? Uh, do we handle that by downplaying who we are? Or do we handle that by taking comfort in who God has made us to be? Uh, that's what this text is, is really all about, uh, the, the Jewish contemporaries of these Christians had been treating them with scorn, had been casting them out of the community, had been laughing them out of town for believing that Jesus is the Messiah. And you can imagine that with that comes a certain temptation uh, to be ashamed, to be ashamed of of their faith. Uh, So that's what this text is all about. Uh, And Peter gets into it in in verse 4. He says, As you come to Him... And I just want to just pause there. Who's this hymn? As you come to him, well, that probably would be the hymn in the previous verse, where he says, "If indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good." Then the next thing he says, "As you come to him." So who's the hymn? The hymn is uh, the Lord. Uh, that's, that's a quotation from Psalm 34, by the way. that tasted, see, that the Lord is good. Uh, and so he, he now says, As you come to him, as you come to the Lord, who is a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. Now just think about the, try and work your head through the pronouns here. Uh, the Lord is rejected by men, but chosen by God. So the Lord is chosen by God. Uh, Here we have another one of these verses that just show us how in in the Christian mind, Christ is obviously God. The Messiah was expected, was known to be God. Uh, And and you see that here as well. As you come to Him, the Lord, uh, who is rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, uh, uh, you yourselves, he goes on to say, are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices except God through Jesus Christ. Uh, what, you, what you see in this text is th- there's really two, two uh, sides to this. Uh, there is who is Christ and who are you? Uh, who is Christ, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious? That's who Christ is. And therefore, who are you? Uh, who are you? You yourselves, like living stones, so your identity's in that stone, in Christ. You yourselves are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, who's Christ. A living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God. Who are you? Living stones rejected by men, but chosen and precious in the sight of God. That's the the crux of what Peter is saying. Uh, Now, Peter is working here from Psalm 118. You probably noticed that. Uh, As well as Isaiah chapter 28. Let me read Isaiah 28. Uh, There... uh, There the scriptures say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Uh, and then Psalm 118, uh, we sang it earlier, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So Peter, you can see, he's taking those two texts and bringing them together uh, and saying, look, this stone that God is laying, uh, who he says uh, is is a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame, that same stone is rejected by men uh, and And God has made it the cornerstone now what what impressed me about uh, about that not only that that Peter brings these two really critical scripture texts together, uh, but it what also impressed me about this citation is the fact that uh, this is the same text that the apostle Peter quoted in Acts chapter four. Uh, which would have been uh, his third or so sermon uh, as a Christian. The the third sermon Peter ever preached as a Christian. He's talking about this text. Uh, and, And that would have been something like 30 or 40 years before he wrote 1 Peter. Uh, so, uh, in, Acts, in Acts 4, that's the story of uh, when Peter and John healed a lame man at the uh, temple in the name of Jesus, and then they're interrogated by the authorities uh, for, for preaching the name of Jesus. Uh, and, and Peter quotes the same text to them. He says, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Uh, so, Let me make a modest suggestion uh, that if you find Peter quoting a text in Acts 4, and then 30 or 40 years later still talking about that text, it's probably an important text. I think that's a fair uh, suggestion. Uh, this, This text was a big deal to Peter. And as I thought about it, I thought uh, for myself, and I'm sure for you too, uh, there are certain texts of Scripture that you just go back to again and again and again. They're just key texts for your convictions as a Christian. Uh, for, for me, Isaiah 53 would be one of those texts. It's often called the fifth gospel, even though it was written 500 years before Jesus, describing his death and uh, his, his sufferings uh, and showing this is what the Messiah is going to do. And then Jesus uh, did it. Uh, so, so we have these texts that for us are just critical. This is uh, a key part of why I'm a Christian, why I have the convictions uh, that I do. Well, for Peter, the key text, at least one of them, would have been Psalm 118. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and this is the doing of the Lord. He quoted that back in Acts 4, and now here he is again, uh, decades later, still preaching that same text. Uh, And so it's, it's worth asking why. Why is this text so important to Peter? Uh, And we can think of several reasons. For one thing, uh, Jesus himself also preached on this same text. Uh, In Mark chapter 12, uh, Jesus says, Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So this is one Jesus preached on. It's one he wanted his disciples to see and to pay attention to, uh, to see it before he was rejected so that they would remember it when he was uh, rejected. Uh, And there's even more to to this text because Psalm 118 would have been probably the single most well-known psalm in all of the Psalter, For for the Jews. And the reason for that is uh, it was the last concluding song on the feast of Passover. When they celebrated Passover, uh, there was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and they'd sing uh, at the end of every day, they'd sing one of the hymns. They called these hymns from Psalm 113. To 118, And the whole feast would have landed on Psalm 118. It's the final word that they sing together before they disperse back into their uh, neighborhoods and regions. Uh, so this, this would have been uh, probably the most well-known psalm to the Jews, sort of the chief of hymns. Uh, And and that means the Jews also knew this verse very well. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. It's it's a song that would have been on their minds as they were journeying back to their homes. What does this mean? Uh, That this stone will be rejected and be made into the cornerstone. Now, of course, the Jews were uh, also familiar with Isaiah 28, which Peter uh, also quotes here, where God says, I'm laying in Zion a cornerstone chosen and precious. Undoubtedly, they would have uh, tied these two together and and figured out there's something uh, there. Uh, And and one of the best ways to understand how the Jews understood their scriptures, what they made of them, what they interpreted them to mean, uh, one of the best ways to do that is looking up how did they translate them. We have our English translations of the Bible, and that often tells us this is how we interpret Scripture. This is what we understand the Scriptures to mean. Uh, And the the Jews had this as well. They had uh, an Aramaic uh, translation. That's the language of Babylon, because during their time in Babylon, they uh, slowly learned that language. And so they translated the Scriptures into that language. Uh, That translation is known as the Targum. Uh, and there's also the what's called the Septuagint, which is the Greek, the Greek translation, because some of them also spoke Greek. Uh, and so if you look up these verses in those uh, old translations, uh, what both of them reveal is that the Jews understood both of these texts as messianic texts, as texts explicitly referring to the Messiah. They understood this cornerstone, this stone that's rejected to be the Messiah. Uh, So uh, in in, in the Greek translation, uh, the, the verse from Isaiah 28 says, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him, it doesn't say in it, but in him shall never be put to shame. They understood this as referring to an individual. Uh, and and the, the Targum, the Aramaic, is even more explicit. It says, Whoever believes in the Messiah, in him, the Messiah, Shall never be put to shame. So we see the Jews themselves understood this stone to be the Messiah, uh, the promised Savior. Well, if you understand that, you can start to appreciate why this text is such a big deal for Peter. Uh, Because the Jews got this text, they understood it, they knew it, and they knew it referred to the Messiah. And so Peter's connecting the dots here. He's saying, uh, look, the the Scripture said that God would lay down this stone, that it would be chosen and precious to Him, but would also be rejected by His people. God said it would happen, don't be surprised that it happened. Uh, uh, one of the, the, the greatest struggles for the early Christians was, how is it possible that all of our Jewish brethren don't believe in Jesus? Uh, how, how can we be sure we got it right when all of our brothers are saying, no, you got it wrong? And they were treated with scorn, treated with contempt, uh, kicked out of their Jewish communities for believing in Jesus, and they would have wrestled with uh, that question. Uh, what Peter is saying is, uh, don't be surprised. You're Jews. You know these texts. The Scriptures said this was going to happen. Uh, it's in this vein as well. Peter also quotes from Isaiah chapter 8. And let me just read uh, that verse in, in the uh, Uh, In its context, it's Isaiah 8, verses 13 to 15. Uh, The Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken, they shall be snared and taken. Here again we have one of these well-known Old Testament texts that are saying the Jews will reject him. Both of the houses of Israel will fall and stumble over him. Uh, So, uh, even though the early Christians wrestled with this reality, Peter wants to reassure them. Remember who Christ is and remember who you are. Remember who Christ is. He is that stone. You guys knew this was going to happen. And remember, therefore, who you are. You are those who, by God's grace, are not rejecting that stone. Uh, Don't let that be to your shame. Don't let them treat you with contempt for it. Uh, You will not be put to shame because of it. Uh, And that's exactly where where Peter goes. Those who trust in him shall never be put to shame. Uh, We will not be disappointed because this is the doing, as Psalm 118 says, this is the doing of the Lord. He will cause some of the houses of Israel to fall, to stumble. But, they will, uh, but, but the honor is for those who will believe. Uh, and, and that's really been the message of Peter right from the beginning. right? And even in the first uh, verses in chapter 1, to those who are elect, to the chosen uh, exiles, to those who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling with His blood By God's grace, you are what you are. Uh, Don't let the fact that they reject him because for you also uh, being ashamed of him. Uh, You are what you are by God's grace. Uh, So not only is is Jesus that uh, stone rejected by the builders but chosen by God, uh, but we as Christians are united to him, uh, being built up as it were upon him, since a cornerstone existed for the purpose of being built upon, uh, building a foundation uh, upon it. Uh, You are being built upon him, uh, and that means you share in all that he is. If he's rejected by the world... You're going to be rejected by the world. If he's chosen and precious in the sight of God, you will be chosen and precious in the sight of God. And that's what Peter really wants to drive home. Uh, Yeah, you're rejected by the world. You're scattered. You're persecuted. Uh, Guess what? They rejected him too. Shouldn't surprise you. Uh, But the honor is for those who, by God's grace, accept him and believe in him. Uh, so, so what Peter's doing is just driving home our confidence in Christ. He wants our confidence to be rock solid, uh, no, no pun intended, uh, to, to, to drive home that confidence. Uh, the honors for you who believe don't give up just because they don't believe. Uh, and, and that defines who we are. Uh, again, if, if as individual Christians uh, here in Alora and as a church, if we are going to, uh, if, if in God's providence we do experience persecution, uh, if we're going to endure that well, we do need to know who we are. Uh, it's absolutely essential that we know who we are. Uh, you will not endure as Christians, and you won't respond in grace, uh, with a Christ-like attitude as Christians, if you don't know who you are. If we're insecure about Christ, we'll be insecure about who we are. Uh, and if we're insecure about who we are, we're not going to respond with confidence and grace in the face of persecution. Uh, and that's true not just for, for outright persecution, uh, but even for, for just the contempt that the world around us heaps upon the Christian faith, uh, the shame that the world wants us to feel because of our faith, uh, the, the contempt that our neighbors or our colleagues or, uh, if we're in university, our professors will will heap upon the Christian faith. Uh, there's there's pressure placed on us to fail uh, as Christians. We're, we're we're treated like backwards. We're treated as contemptible. Uh, how do you hear that? How do you respond to that? Do you respond with confidence and grace? You only will if you're confident in who Christ is and who you are because of Christ. Uh, and and that's where Peter also then goes. Uh, asking that question... It, If you are indeed, in Christ, chosen and precious, what does that say about your identity in this world? Uh, He says, You, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Uh, Again, in verse 9, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his light. Who are you? Peter answers that question uh, by once again quoting uh, the Old Testament scriptures that these these Jewish Christians knew all too well. Who are you? We know that. Exodus 19. We are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. That's who uh, we are. Uh, Peter then takes, takes that uh, text that was given to God's covenant people and, and says, this is still yours. This is your possession, and this is not the possession anymore of those who've rejected uh, the Messiah. Uh, you are uh, a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Uh, he also speaks of the church as a temple. It's an interesting uh, concept uh, um, we are, we are not, not just stones, but together we form a temple, a place where God is known, a place where God is worshipped. Uh, that's what we are in this world. Uh, and not only are we a temple, but he says we're also the priests that serve within that temple because he's changing metaphors uh, a little bit, but we are, we are the priests that serve in the temple. Uh, we have a calling in this world uh, to, to proclaim the praises of, uh, of God in a world that does not know Him. You're not just the temple, you're the people in it that sing His praises uh, together. Uh, so what, what's, what, what Peter needs us to see is these scriptures that have always belonged to God's covenant people are still ours. They're still ours and they're only ours uh, belonging to those who've received the cornerstone that God has laid down that's chosen and precious in God's sight. We are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation uh, called uh, out of this world to sing the praises of God. Uh, So, brothers and sisters, let let this uh, deepen your confidence in Christ the Messiah. Know that Jesus is the Messiah God promised would come. Uh, Don't be shaken off balance by the fact that he was rejected by the Jewish people or uh, the larger part of the Jewish people 2,000 years ago or that he's still rejected by much of the world today. That's what God said would happen. It's what God told us uh, would would take place, uh, and. Uh... And and God did it that way so that His vindication, the Messiah's vindication, and and the vindication of of all of us who receive Him would be all the greater when God finally shows the world, this is my beloved Son. This is the Savior I sent into the world. The honor in that day is for those of us who believed in Him while we were still here on earth. Uh, So have that rock-solid confidence in Christ uh, so that you may also have a a rock-solid confidence in who you are as a people belonging to Christ so that, as we're going to see in Peter, so that when you're treated with contempt, when you face persecution, you can respond with confidence and grace in Christ. Uh, You know who you are. You know who Christ is, and that is enough to respond well in the face of suffering. Amen.